it's not God's will. It's not even God's plan. It's because of circumstances that you have created is what's caused this to happen. Don't blame this on God. This mess and what's going on in your life on our righteous, perfect God who loves you, he sent his son you've got to look in your own life you've got to make choices to get on the right road from the road of worse and get to the place where God can bless you well, very good, good to have you here this morning, hey, let's all give the Lord a hand please very good and um, Rachel, it sure is good to have you back up on the stage singing. You know, of course, Rachel had a baby, and I, I think we've given her plenty of maternity leave from being up there singing. So I'm glad she's back. Aren't y'all glad she's back? Very much, yeah. Okay, you remember, right after services, we're just going to have a short um, congratulations. Uh, Adam and Kim uh, got married about a month ago, and just a short shower right after church. Go by and say hello, give them a hug, and support them, please, okay? That's, that's, that's today right after right after the services. Boy, my jacket won't button. I don't know what's happening here. But anyways, open your Bibles, will you, to uh, the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. Now, that's in the Old Testament, and um, that's right after, right after the book of Judges and right before 1 Samuel, okay? So uh, some of you are using your smartphones, and that makes it really simple, doesn't it? But uh, here we go, Ruth, the book of Ruth. Now, the book of Ruth is one of my very favorite books of the Old Testament. Um, I think it was two years ago, two and a half years ago on Wednesday nights, we went through the book of Ruth verse by verse, and it was a really wonderful study. But the book of Ruth is such a beautiful, beautiful book. And to know the book of Ruth is to understand that it's a, it's a great picture of what Christ does with us. There's, there's, there's really three main characters, if you will, if you want to put it that way, in the book of Ruth. And you have Naomi, which is the mother-in-law. You have Ruth, which is the daughter-in-law. Then, of course, you have uh, Boaz, which is the uh, brother of Elimelech. Amimelech, can't say the word right. And of course, Boaz redeems Ruth, and so it takes care of Naomi as well. But anyways, back to um, the book of Ruth, and and uh, it's a beautiful book, and it's again, it's a great picture of what Christ does for us. But this morning, I would like us to look at this story through the eyes of Naomi, the mother-in-law of Ruth, if you will, please. Let's look at it from her perspective. And the title this morning is Bad to Worse and Worse to Harvest. Again, Bad to Worse, Worse to Harvest. Now, this is just where my heart is at today, and uh, I don't know who or if anyone that this applies to, but I earnestly pray that this message will encourage those that, that the Holy Spirit will intend it for. So, so uh, amen. All right, Ruth chapter 1. In about 1200 B.C., she and her husband, talking about Naomi and her husband they were, and their sons, they were living in Bethlehem. That same little town that Mary and Joseph was from, of course, we know that's also where Jesus was born, where David tended his sheep. Now, these hard times in 1200 B.C., these were hard times in Judah. And, and, and of course, we're told here in chapter 1, and here's the context, is that there was a famine in the land, and people were starving. So Naomi and Imelech, her husband, they left Bethlehem with their two sons and moved about 50 miles east to the land of Moab. Now, it was only 50 miles away, 50 miles east, but in those days, 
50 miles made a big difference because you can be in a whole other country 50 miles away over there, and even, of course, especially then. Now, Moab, now follow me here on context. Moab was a pagan nation. In fact, the Moabite people were the ancestors of Lot's incest relationship with his daughter. There's been things written in the Old Testament that uh, God said for, the, for no Jews to have anything to do with the Moabs. You're not to live with them. You're not to marry them or anything. The Moabites also, they worshiped other gods, and they even practiced sacrifices of people, of children. So you understand that this was a pagan land, and Amalek must have been desperate in order to move his family there. Now, the Bible says that they went to live there for a while, and I'm sure that this husband's plan was to wait out the famine over in Judah and then go back as soon as possible, but that didn't happen. They ended up staying there for over 10 years, and of course, what happened was when they got over there, um, he died. Amalek died, left Naomi as a widow, and then the two sons, of course, grew up there and married Moabite women. And then the two sons died. So let's pick up the story in Ruth chapter 1 and look with me at verse 15. Naomi found herself, remember, we're going from bad to worse and worse to harvest. It was bad that there was a famine in the land of Judah. It got worse when she went over to Moab. And then it's going to get better when she makes her way back home. Everybody say amen. Now, she found herself in a foreign land responsible for two daughter-in-laws with no one responsible for her. She was all alone in a foreign land, from bad to worse. Look at verse 15. Then she said, Behold, your sister... Let's go ahead and start in verse 14. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Oprah, which is one of the daughter-in-laws, kissed her mother-in-law, which is Naomi, but Ruth clung to her. So two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Oprah. Oprah uh, decided to stay in, in Moab, and Ruth clung to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and said, I'm going with you, okay? Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Naomi's saying, Listen, it's going to be hard for you where I'm going. You're not from there. Just go on back with your sister-in-law. You'll, be, you'll remarry and do better there. But, but Ruth said, No way. I'm going with you. Got goosebumps just thinking about that. Um, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Look at verse 17. Ruth told her mother-in-law, where you die, I will die. And, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Verse 19, so they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? Now, now here's Naomi. She's been gone for more than 10 years. 
I'm sure she's gone back and she looks a little bit different. I'm sure that Ruth looked different. They, they could tell that she was a Moabite. And so, so these two women walk into town, and Naomi has aged. She's, she's a little bitter. She's hurt. I mean, she left, she left Judah, and she went to Moab full, and then she come back, and she's empty. And we'll see that here in just a minute. But now I want you to think about the people. It says that people, people it caused an uproar when they come into town. And they, they, and, they, and they even recognized Naomi. And, and can you imagine that for, for those two walking in? But it says, um, she said, they said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Now, the word Naomi in the Hebrew means pleasant, pleasant. You got that? She says, no more call me, no more call me Naomi, no more call me pleasant. She says, call me Marah. Marah, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. The word Marah means bitter. So she's saying that she's bitter. She says, I'm bitter because the Lord has not been very kind to me. Now, remember that thought just for a minute. Look at verse 21. She said, I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call Naomi? Since the Lord was, has witnessed against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and with her Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Look again at verse 22, please. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for the word of God that we have, and we ask you, Lord, just to, just to bless it to our lives this morning. And I pray if there's anyone here that's never accepted Jesus Christ, never called upon you to be their Lord, Master, and Savior, that, that are just sick in their sin and, and, and sick being sick and has never truly with, with their heart given their life to you, Lord, I pray this morning that through the words that are being preached, the music that's being sung, the prayers that are happening this morning, that God will just get sick and tired of being sick and tired and will go to the harvest that we'll, we'll stop going from bad to worse, but we'll get on the right road that's going to take us to where things are going to be a harvest and the things are going to be good with you. Lord, I pray this morning for the rest of us here that perhaps are in just some situation in our lives that uh, life has gone from good to bad or from bad to worse, but we all want to see this morning, God, that um, with your grace that things can get better again, what we just got to get on the right road and make the right decisions for you. Lord, I pray this morning you'll work in our hearts as a church, as in a whole, as, as we too are, are making some bold moves and stepping out in faith and trusting you and leaving this one location and going to another. And Lord, we just pray that you'll just uh, put us all together, unified in unity under the leadership of, this pa of the pastor of this church, that Lord, that we can uh, just do great and awesome and mighty things for you and knowing that there's a harvest there is a harvest um, for the kingdom of heaven. Lord, may you just incorporate us into that, please. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, let's look at the story here. From bad to worse. Now, during these years, um, we're going to finish putting into context here just for a second. We're going to make some application. During these years, everything in Naomi's life steadily went from bad to worse. Can you? I mean, you know, she, there was a famine. She went to Moab. <laughs> That's worse. 
It got worse for her. Then she lost her husband. It even got worse. And then her, then, then, then her, then her sons died. And she was, then she just had her two daughter-in-laws. I mean, it went from bad to worse. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced that? That your life goes from bad to worse? Doesn't feel very good, does it? From bad to worse. Maybe it's in a relationship with somebody. Maybe it's with a relationship to God. Maybe it's your spiritual life. Maybe it's that besetting sin that uh, that comes against you. That that whatever reason your life seems to go from bad to worse, where you want where you run from one problem, and the more you run, the more trouble you get into. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? You know, it happens every day all around us, you know, kids and students and adults, adults all alike. We have bad experiences, don't we? And it makes, we make wrong choices and because of a lack of wisdom or just self-control, we run, make more bad decisions and get ourselves into more problems. You know, I've known people who couldn't take the pressures of, of, of marriage and go from bad to worse and make things worse. By the way, um, I'm probably going to chase some rabbits this morning, so, so just beware, okay? Um, you know, relationships are hard sometimes, aren't they? But, you know, sometimes we'll make choices in relationships, and it goes from bad to worse. Uh, out there on the desk in, uh, the, in the foyer, I've got a list, and these are six signs that you are a toxic partner. Six signs that you are a toxic partner. I want to encourage everyone to, to pick this up and, and, and do some self-evaluation. Get with your spouse, get with a friend or something, and go through this list. And I could probably add about two or three more on, these, on this thing. But, uh, you know, make, make sure that your relationship is strong. Make sure that, you, that your relationship, that you're not being a toxic partner that brings um, strife into your relationship. Um, and, and, you know, they're very simple. Uh, here are six signs that you're a toxic partner. Number one, you never accept blame. If you don't accept blame, you're going to have trouble with your spouse. Can I get an amen? Because it takes two to tango, doesn't it? Number two, you say things you don't mean. Number three, it's my way or the highway. Number four, you are dependent on the relationship and not the Lord Jesus Christ. Number five, uh, you deliberately punish your partner. And again, you can read about these things and talk to each other. Number six, you, you harmlessly slap during arguments. Did you know that in a 2010 study, the Center of Disease Control and Prevention defined physical violence also as slapping and pushing and shoving? It's never okay. And did you know that over 60% of the men are being slapped and pushed by their wives? It doesn't make for a good relationship. I, again, that's a rabbit that I just chased into a hole. But I, I just I, I encourage you to pick up that and to make sure that your relationship is not one that is toxic. Everybody say amen. Now, when we're talking about going from bad to worse and running away from things, it could be about friendships that you go from bad to worse. It could be your fi your fi finances, they've gone from bad to worse. Maybe it's your health that's gone from bad to worse. Um, again, maybe it's one's besetting sin. It goes from bad to worse. But I'm talking about you this morning. Your choices, your relationship, your life. Listen, 
your sanctified, bought life of Jesus Christ. The th- listen, the things that you say and do that makes matters worse in your heavenly citizenship, just a little bit more dimmer. Talking to you this morning. Is life going from bad to worse and it's not ever getting better? You know, I think we all know what it's like when life goes from bad to worse. And that's what happened to Naomi right here in this story. It started with a plan to escape from the famine for a short period of time. It ended a decade later with her alone and destitute with nothing to her name, facing more responsibility than she could ever handle in her own life by herself. Look, if you're facing a bad to worse situation right now, I want you to know that like Naomi, there is grace. There is the love of God. There is change that could be waiting for you. You know, we find in this book, uh, by making the hard, tough choices, that we can find the road back. Listen, integrity, relationships, and abundant life restored like God intended for you. Naomi's life didn't continue in the bad to worse spiral. Notice in this story, in fact, it's a very short period of time when she was blessed beyond her greatest dreams because what happens at the end of the book of Ruth is that Ruth was was, uh, redeemed by Boaz and Naomi went to live with them. And can I just tell you how it all ends? Out of this union between Boaz and Ruth, we have the lineage of Jesus Christ. Sometimes life goes from bad to worse, but it can go to worst if you'll do three things. Write them down this morning. Three things. If your life has gone from bad to worse, here's three things that you need to do. Number one, number one, get on the road that will take you where you need to go. You hear me? Get on the right road that will take you where you need to go, where you want to go. We often want our problems to be solved immediately, don't we? We just want to close our eyes and blink and open them back up and for all of our troubles to go away. We expect to do the same thing that got us in trouble, and, but do the same thing for everything else to get better. And ladies and gentlemen, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for us to be able to go from bad to blessed overnight. It's not going to happen, and it just doesn't happen that way. It's crucial to remember that it is a road. Listen to me. It is a journey to go from, from, from worse or bad to better. It's a journey. You've got to make tough choices. You've got to deliberately make sure that you get on the right road back to a life of grace and blessing from Jesus Christ. Listen, there are some distance you must travel in order to get out of the place where you've been living and get to the place where you want to be. You know, go back to verse 7 of uh, Ruth chapter 1. It says, with her two daughter-in-laws, she left the place where they've been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. They deliberately had to say, she had to say, I've got to get on the road to go back where God is, where blessing is, and where my life is going to be blessed. Listen, if you want to get from bad or worse to what's better, to what's best, where there's a harvest in your life, then you've got to get on the right road back. Everybody say amen. Everybody give the Lord a hand, will you please? You've got to make decisive, hard choices. Now, some of you have an idea where you want to be spiritually. You do. And I know it. And I know how it is. 
And again, I just want to make application to you this morning. Let's be very real with you. I know that our desires are to be close to God and to be and to be in a relation and to be in that type of a relationship with Him to where you don't feel bad about what you've done. I I I understand. I know that we want to have this 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 wonderful spiritual life, but you've struggled with sin and isolation for so long that it seems like you'll never get there. Does that, does that hit the nail on the head for any of you? You say, God's too far away. Sin has taken me too far, just like with Naomi. She went to Moab. They stayed there. I mean, could you imagine what she felt like? God doesn't want me. I've been gone for so long. I've done so much. It's not going to happen. Is that anybody this morning? God's too far away. You have become so distressed that your life is perhaps even out of control and hopeless. And like Naomi, you've even blamed God for your circumstances. Don't blame God. Don't blame my God. Don't blame him. He's the one that has the grace for you to come back. Instead, what we must do is we must look in ourselves and, and prayer and, and, and to the Word of God and figure out what it is that we need to do to get back on the road to where we can get to a, to a place of harvest, to a place of blessing. What we have to do is look into ourselves and be honest about it. Don't blame other people. Don't blame your spouse. Don't blame God. Don't blame your church. Listen to me. You need to look in with yourself and say, what's wrong here? Why am I miserable? Why am I not reaping spiritual harvest? harvest what's going on you got to start here and don't go looking around you and especially don't be blaming god for things can we remember this listen please everybody i i, I was talking to somebody and 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 their, their their life is in just a really horrible place right now it's just really confused you don't know who these people are i i, I, I but anyways they, they 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 say well i guess it's just god's will that this happens to us you don't know who these people are, I, 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 but anyways, they, 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 they say, well, I guess it's just God's will that this happens to us. No, no, it's not God's will. It's not even God's plan. It's because of circumstances that you have created is what's caused this to happen. Don't blame this on God. Don't blame this mess and what's going on in your life on, the, on our righteous, perfect God who loves you, who sent his son. You've got to look in your own life. You've got to make choices to get on the right road from the road of worse or, or, or bad and get to the, to the place where God can bless you. But we have to do it ourselves. Amen, everybody? Now, here's what I've noticed in looking in this story and throughout scripture there are a lot of things that keeps us from getting on that road and if you're not there and and i just want to say this maybe your life isn't worse maybe it's just bad you, you never want to go to worse just so you can go back to to good right Right, Brother Dave? You, you, when you start seeing things out of kilter, just, 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 just get back on the right road um, to be in God's blessings, okay? But here are some things that keep you from getting on that road. Number one, pride. 
Pride will keep you every time from getting on that right road to be to that place where God can bless you. Pride. Thinking too much of yourself and not enough about God. You know, the Bible says that we're to humble ourselves in the sight of God and he'll restore us. Number two is I think uh, people with with an unteachable spirit cannot get on the right road back. You know everything. It's not my fault. I didn't do this. Someone else did it. If this needs to happen, then it's going to happen. Unteachable spirit. Listen to me. A person with an unteachable spirit will never get to a place where they're going to have the greatest blessings from God if you don't have a teach if you do not have a teachable spirit. Listen up. You don't know everything. <laughs> you don't. You got to have a teachable spirit. If you can't be taught, then you're not going to get on that road that leads back to a harvest. Number three, bitterness. Disappointment and sin will make a heart bitter, and a bitter heart will stay right there where it's at. Everybody, do you hear me? Um, Another one is people with a lack of faith. You can't get back on the right road to go back into a place of harvest unless you have faith. That you, it may be something that you can't see, but you know by faith you got to step on that road. You don't see it. You don't know exactly how to do it, but you're going to step out. You've got to step out in faith. A Christian's life, we, we don't do it by sight. We don't do it by just what we have experienced in life. We step out because the Word of God says so, right? Another reason that people don't get back on that road is because they are assumers, they assume everything. And I just want to say just this for a minute. Okay, everybody look at me. Some of your heads are down. Would you please look? <sighs> Being a person that makes assumptions is, is, is devastating <laughs> to you as a person to make assumptions in your life. If, if, who, who, who assumes things? Nobody's going to raise their hand. I wouldn't raise my hand either. But, you know, <laughs> look, we got one honest person. Give her a hand. Yeah, very good. Just kidding around. Don't look back at her, okay? She's going to throw something at me. But, you know, um, um, can, I give you, can, I, can, I, can I just give you this? If you're always making assumptions, you're going to be a miserable person. You're not God. You're not omniscient. You can't assume that you think you know what you know. You know, as a pastor, people assume a lot of things about me. When I make decisions, they, they sit back there and they assume, well, why in the world would he, would he do that? Why, didn't, why wouldn't he do this? Can I just tell you something straight up? You're not in my shoes. You don't know what I know, the reason I make the decisions that I make. So don't assume anything. Instead, if you, have, if you, if you, if you want to know, come ask me questions. Amen? So what we're saying this morning is simply this, is that don't assume things. Never assume that you know something that you don't know. Instead, ask questions. Don't assume. Ask questions. In your marriage, don't assume that your husband did something because you think that's whatever it is or, or vice versa to your spouse or to your kid. Go ask questions. Don't assume anything. You're only going to hurt people. You're only going to hurt yourself, and you'll never be on that road to get where God wants you to be to have a harvest in your life. Right? Don't assume anything. You're not that smart because you're not omniscient. All right. But here's the number one reason I think that people 
But I think people that keeps them off that road, and that's forgiveness. And that's forgiveness. Are you ready? I I got everybody mad now. You ready to go? You ready to rumble here, everybody? It's forgiveness. Everybody listen to me. Forgiveness. You know, sometimes it's the forgiveness that we need from Jesus Christ, right? Um, um, Sometimes it's the forgiveness that we need to give ourselves. You know, sometimes we do things and, and we've asked God for forgiveness. And the Bible says if he forgives us, he forgives us. But sometimes we don't forgive ourselves. Guys, you've got to forgive yourselves and base yourself in the grace of Jesus Christ. He died. We sang about it. He died for our sins, right? He died that we, we won't have to have that second death. If, if, if he says he forgives us and he does, then you've got to forgive yourselves. But how about with people in our lives? You know, if we don't forgive those who sin against us, we can't be on this road back from, from bad worse to go into someplace better. You've got to be a person who forgives. You've got to be a person that doesn't hold, hold a grudge, but that you, for, that you forgive. You've got to forgive. Now, real quick, and we're going to buzz through this. Do you know how to forgive? I don't think that 90% of the people really truly know what it means to forgive somebody. I don't think you do. To forgive means there has to be a sacrifice, right? God forgives us of our sins. And how did, how did he forgive us of our sins? In the Old Testament, they had to, they had to sacrifice goats and sheep and birds and, and make, do all these things. But th- those things were just temporarily until the perfect sacrifice came, which was Jesus Christ, Right? And so when Jesus, so God sent his only begotten son, he sacrificed his son for our sins, for us to be forgiven. So that when I call upon Jesus Christ to be my Lord, personal savior, that I am forgiven. When God looks at me, he sees that the blood was applied to Ron Fox. I am forever, I am forever forgiven. Isn't that great? And that's for you too. Amen. But there had to be a sacrifice for forgiveness to happen and to be permanent and to, and to work. And it's the same thing if you have a relationship with someone else that needs to be forgiven. You also, there, there also has to be a sacrifice made. You didn't know that, did you? You see, usually what happens is, is that um, if Nicole called me a, big, a fatty big mouth and she offended me, I'm just kidding, Nicole. You would never do that, would you? No. Thank you very much. Am I a fatty? No. Thank you very much. What did you say? But, um, um, but if, she, if she said something that offended me and sinned against me, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to her and I'm going to say, what up, Nicole? What, why'd, you, why'd you say those bad things to JC about me? And you're going to, and first you're probably going to lie and say, I didn't say him, <laughs> but, but you did say him. And then, and then, wh- then what are you going to say next? You're sorry, <laughs> pastor, will you forgive me? No, you say it. I'm sorry. Can y'all hear okay back there? No. <laughs> Adam's saying, well, she just said that to me real quick. Adam, can you get over here? I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's her daddy. And so, and so what I'm going to say is I forgive you. And I'm going to give her a hug. I'm going to tell her everything's okay. Well, that doesn't involve one important thing for forgiveness to happen. What are we missing here? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. 
there has to be a sacrifice made when forgiveness is given. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that, that we are to forgive as, as God has forgiven us in Jesus Christ. Right? 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 So there has to be a sacrifice. Now, here is the, one of the craziest things that this blows your mind if you ever sat, sat down and thought about it. God forgave, forgave me. I'm the one who sinned, but God made the sacrifice, the one who was sinned against? That's, see, in our minds, in our minds, in our minds, that if, if, if you got, if you got uh, me and John, you got John and I, and, 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 and if I sinned against him, if I sinned against him, it seems like I'd be the one to need to make the sacrifice, right? But that's not how it works. For, for God to forgive me, he made the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Hey, Listen, everybody, when it comes to, to forgiveness, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to forgiveness, there has to be a sacrifice, and the one who makes the sacrifice is the one who the sin was against. Did you know that? So let's try it again, Nicole. Okay, I, I heard that you called me a fatty big mouth. Yes, you did. <laughs> Jerk. No. <laughs> Okay, so so go ahead. Nicole, you know, um, you called me a fatty big mouth. It really hurt me, and it made me feel a little bit harder on myself, and, you know, it really made me, made me you really hurt me. But I'm going to tell you what, um, um, I'll sacrifice those hurts that you caused me. And, uh, yes, I'll sacrifice those hurts, and I forgive you. Amen. Oh, isn't that sweet? The sacrifice that is made is the hurts that that has caused you in your life. Whatever those hurts are, and I know it doesn't make sense in our brain, but there has to be a sacrifice in forgiveness. And for forgiveness to work, forgiveness, for forgiveness to last is that there has to be a sacrifice, and the sacrifice that is made is the hurts that it caused in that relationship. Right? Now, Nicole has a responsibility. She doesn't get off scot-free when there's forgiveness. Because with her asking for forgiveness, and she's true about it, she's going to what? She's going to repent from it. She's never going to call me a fatty big mouth preacher again, right? Because that's how the trust is earned back, is by her repenting from that. That's where the trust part comes into re to that relationship, to that. So ladies and gentlemen, a lot of times the reason that we don't get back onto that road of being blessed is because we don't forgive and we don't forgive right. Because when we hold on to those hurts, right? When we hold on to those hurts, it just makes you bitter. It keeps you right there where it's bad or when it's worse. It keeps you in Moab. But to get rid of those things, you have to, you have to, you have to make that sacrifice. And you do that in the name of Jesus Christ. You do that in his grace and his strength, not on your own, right? So there has to be a sacrifice. Now, If you want to go from worst to harvest, get on that road that will take you there. And a lot of times it starts by forgiving and asking forgiveness from other people. If you don't like yourself, if your life isn't in harvest, move out of Moab. Amen? Move out. Make a decision. 
If you want to be living in a different place, if you want your life to take on a new direction, then get on the road that leads you where you want to be. That's what Naomi did. Number two, no one, I'm sorry, not everyone, not everyone will be willing to take the journey with you. (laughs) Can I have an amen on that? You know, when you leave Moab on your way back to Bethlehem, some people will stay in Moab because they think that's the place that is best for them. In order to build a new life for yourself, you'll have to say goodbye to some people. You'll have to say goodbye to some things. You'll have to say goodbye to some relationships. And in this verse, in this verse, Naomi was just being gut-level honest here. I mean, think about it. When she left, she left the grave of her husband, of her two boys. You know, some people, when deaths happen in their life, sometimes people grieve too long to where life doesn't become healthy, and it keeps them sometimes in a place where there's no harvest. But she even left them in Moab. What happened here is that they all reached a moment of decision. All three of these ladies, Naomi, Oprah, and Ruth, they each had to decide for themselves, which way am I going to go? And Naomi gave both of them a way out. She said, look, you two stay here. You have a lot easier time. Oprah went back to Moab. She made her decision, and Ruth made her decision to go with Naomi. These two young women faced a moment of decision that we all face. Listen, everybody. We all face the same decision they faced. In which country will you live? In which country will you live? Under whose roof will you live? Whose God will you serve? These were the choices. Oprah made the decision again that most people make. She went back to Moab where her prospects were brighter. She she wouldn't be in a foreign land. She stayed in comfort. Um, she would have more chance to marry. She got to, to keep her friends. Um, she, she got to keep her own gods that didn't expect anything out of her. Ruth, on the other hand, she couldn't turn back and go back to Moab. There was something that drove her towards Bethlehem, and she yearned for what Naomi had. Look, and, and here it is, church, Not everyone will respect your decision. Like Naomi, you have to say goodbye to some things. You have to say goodbye to some people to get on that road back, to be in that place of harvest. You'll have to decide where your loyalties are. Ruth chose Bethlehem over Moab. She said to Naomi, Naomi, Your home is my home, your people are my people, and your God is my God. You see, not everyone will take the journey with you. So when you reach that moment of decision, you can be sure that it's your decision. Amen? No one can make it for you. You've got to make the decision. Listen to me, everybody. You know what happens is that a lot of times when we make that decision, and we make those hard choices, and knowing sometimes what we have to leave behind, you know, a lot of times we're an influence 
if they're people that's, that were made the decision on it, they're, they're going to follow, they're going to come too because it's the influence that one has. Amen? The power of witness. Verse 21. Looks 21. She said, I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me pleasant since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Boy, she, she doesn't sound like a woman. She, she doesn't sound like a woman very excited, does she? <laughs> she doesn't sound like a woman whose life is about to turn around. She sounds like a woman out of options, a woman at the end of a rope. But now listen to the next verse in verse 22. Look at it. So Naomi returned, and with her Ruth, her daughter-in-law, the Moabitess, who returned from the land of Moab. And here it is, the last sentence in verse 22. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Listen close. When you take the journey you need to take, that's when the harvest will begin in your life. Do you hear me? When you take the journey you need to take, that's when the harvest begins in your life. You've got to make that decision. That was point number three. Naomi said that she left full and she came back empty. And that's not always a bad thing. Can I have a, can I have a witness out there? It's sometimes it's good to get rid of some of those things, isn't it? Because, because as the scripture says, you know, we need to empty ourselves so God can fill us. So God can take us apart and so he can put us back together. Sometimes some things need to be removed from our lives in order to make room for something better. We need to come to him. Listen, just like Naomi, we need to come to him empty so that he can fill us. It's harvest time every day with the Lord. We just got to make the decision and the choice. Even when you feel empty and bitter and afflicted and abandoned and that your life is full of misfortune, even in those weakest moments, listen to me, your harvest is within reach if you'll keep moving the direction where God is. Don't try to bring, bring God into your stuff you get going where God is. You know, get, get into a Bible study. Buy a devotional book. Get into God's Word. That's where you're going to find Him. That's how you're going to get on the right road. That's how it's going to happen. You got to make that decision. You too, you too can go bad to worse and from worse to harvest. All you have to do is make those decisions. Amen? Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you this morning, and we do thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and Lord, we, we, we do 
just pray this morning, Lord, that if there's if there's one here that's never trusted you as Savior, Lord, that you'll call them this morning to salvation, that they'll get rid of the pride, they'll get rid of all those things that keeps them from it, Lord, and that they'll call upon you as Lord, Savior, and Master. God, we pray that right now. Maybe they're on a maybe they're they're on that worst road and they just got to step out. And Lord, it doesn't matter where they're at. It doesn't matter how far they've gone. It doesn't matter how far into Moab they've gone. But it's that they look to you and know that there's grace and that they just got to right now today make a decisive decision to get on that road where you're at, to go to you. Lord, I pray this morning of someone here that, again, that's, that's never experienced that, Lord, that doesn't know you for sure as their Lord and Savior, that that decision, their most important decision will be made right now in this service. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us that, Lord, perhaps there's some that's gotten off the beaten path and they're saved, but they're kind of living in a Moab. Some besetting sin, something's got them from bad and maybe even going to worse. Lord, I pray this morning that they'll make that decision and get on that journey back to you this morning. Make some decisions. Don't let bitterness, don't let assumption, don't let pride, relationships get in the way of making that decision to be all they can be in you and for you and to, to experience your grace to experience your harvest. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stand with me.